Um, hold on. It's murky because anything that starts getting illegal gets really fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. Moving on. Hello and welcome back to the Mo Video Games Podcast. And boy, have we got a juicy one for you guys today. You don't even know, you ain't ready because League of Legends Worlds is happening right now. We got up-to-date, well, it was up-to-date information. It's not up-to-date anymore, but we got some news to get you hyped about League of Legends Worlds. We're talking about some games Oliver's playing. We've got the typical controversial news and in also typical fashion, we talk about an issue issue and the issue gets resolved and that specific issue this time is d brand's dark plates get excited to hear about them and then immediately go read about something completely different than what we talked about because that's what we do it's so topical by the time you hear it it's too late so make sure you go subscribe to us on youtube have all that fun stuff sit back relax and we hope you enjoy today's podcast oh yes welcome to the Mobile Welcome. Games Podcast. I'm host with the most something. Hey, Max. Something. I was trying to, I was trying to, what, what's the uh, host with the most hype? There we Maxwell. go. There we go. And this is Poncho. <laughs> hey, Curveball. Identity theft is not a joke. Millions suffer every year. You're not wrong on that. I'm not. What's your name? Who are you? Oliver? Hey. What's your name? Oliver. Maxwell. Or Poncho. Or Toolshed. The Toolshed. The Shed of Tools. Exactly. What are the tools? I don't know. Large penis. Whoa. Sorry, Mom. Whoa. <laughs> hey, we said it's not PG-13. Never mind. We're good. <laughs> this is... It's, it's, it, I can't speak. It's an explicit podcast explicit podcast it says so if i didn't have such a sailor mouth then maybe maybe we could say otherwise but i know i've i've gotten pretty good since on maxwell Lewis gaming i i try not to swear use expletives all that kind of stuff keep it a bit more pg and it, it kind of retrained my brain uh away from that but it's it's hard to get away from i'll give you that and it's fun you know it's it's cathartic to just scream swear words if you stream League of Legends, you're not not cussing. The game is far too aggravating to not just sailor mouth it all the way through. So that's facts. Speaking of League, yes, welcome <laughs> to League of Legends. All right, I'll I'll let you take this one. Um, I guess roadmap of what we're doing today. Per usual, no one has any idea. Um, but we're gonna talk about some games, talk about some tech news. It's actually gaming news, and to kick it off is Oliver. With some League of Legends Worlds updates. Yeah, the Worlds has been going horribly for the West. Feels great. Um, that's, that's not an about, update. That's just facts uh, for all time. <laughs> so we're in the group stages. As of today, we're finishing up the last day of groups. Maxwell and I just watched uh, the tiebreaker between Genji and TL. Already a spoiler. But to continue the spoilers... TL got their booty handed to them, so they are not getting out of the group stages, which just leaves another Western team to not get out and another Korean team looking primed and ready to take first place in their uh, their group seating. So 
I the group A, I believe, who got out. I'll just pull it up to make sure I get it correct. We are very serious with our fact checking here at the Mo Video Games Podcast. I don't want to lie. Oh yeah, group Group A was Dan Wan Gaming Kia, last year's world champions, who uh, went barely barely made it out of their group with a six and zero record. I mean, just had a real hard time getting out of that one. Didn't literally crush fucking everyone. Um, but C9 managed to, I believe they went into their second day 0-3 and managed to win every single game on their uh, the second day to barely make it out of groups by winning a tiebreaker as well, which apparently NA and tiebreakers was 0-6 before this. So <laughs> world record for NA right there. First, <laughs> first tiebreaker to get out. Um, 100 Thieves in Group B, first seed for NA, uh, also did not do super great. And, well, they went 3-3, three and three, but Chinese hey. and Korea yet again dominated T1 first place, Edward Gaming. I believe that was China's first or second seed um, popping out of that one. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, Fnatic was in Group C. I'm, only, I'm focused on Western teams because Western teams are what's up. Also, I don't think I mentioned this last time, but when Group started... Uh, Apparently, upset Fnatic's ADC had family issues, so then wasn't able to play for Fnatic before going in the group. So they put Dang. in their backup ADC, which is essentially like NA Academy level ADC. I don't think he's ever played in the LEC directly. So they went one and five. I had really big hopes for Fnatic going into it, and then once upset left, I mean, upset was a hard carry for Fnatic, so not too surprised that. Sir Bean was not the best. Though Bean is a not that good of a league name. I will not lie. But yeah, so seeds going out of that are RNG and Hanwha Life Esports. Hanwha Life lost the tiebreaker to get first place. Otherwise, we'd have three Korean teams getting first place in the first three groups. So it appears like it's a uh, time of LCK dominance. And then as I mentioned, TL just lost tiebreaker against Jinji, so they're knocked out of groups. Um, they'll be getting... I guess probably tied for third place is my guess is how it's going to go. Mad Lions versus LNG will be going up next. And then whoever wins that game will be going against Gen G to decide first tier seeding. But from the looks of it right now, um, C9 might be the only Western team to manage to make it out of groups. Everyone said that this year was going to be different. It's not feeling like it's going to be different, but, uh, Mad Lions actually, everyone had a lot of hope for Mad Lions coming out. So if they went against LNG here, I mean, I think a lot of people still have hope that they could pull through. They're like a very aggressive team, a little, a little clowny at times. Not as bad as Fnatic. Fnatic's the ultimate clowny Western team. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's, there's still hope. C9 does not look good enough, in my opinion, to win Worlds. But Mad could pull something out of their hat. So have I ever told you the definition of insanity? <laughs> fanatic that is the definition <laughs> so yeah pretty disappointing um sad about the tl loss they literally just beat gen g like 40 minutes beforehand and then lost to them and bad fashion they let way too many power picks through in my opinion i didn't watch the drafting phase but it was close and then as maxwell saw their mid laner is a monster and just started sniping people blindly for no reason and killing literally everyone on their team, which is a huge morale dump, especially in that situation. So yep. I think uh, TL felt the pressure to try to make something happen and had a couple couple bad plays. Tactical had a classic in, 
as well. Got it. Got it. And as him. So, but yeah, should be good. Now that uh, quarterfinals are coming up, if you don't watch League, but you like watching esports, quarterfinals would be a great time to start because all the games are going to be, I think it's all best of fives. And if you lose, you are out. And they are all butt clinchers of series. And watching a series is a lot more enjoyable because you get to see how teams are going to adapt over the series, how they're going to change their picks and bans. I mean, in best of ones, it's definitely a lot different animal. There's teams known for being really good at best of fives. There's teams known being really good at best of ones. So I think yeah. it should be good. I mean, did it, you have something to say? Yeah, it, it makes <laughs> sense. I mean, you're just thinking, like, statistically speaking, if, like, your skill level or success or luck as a team has a normal distribution, if you're doing one game, you might get your bad or your bad and they're good. Like, maybe you're, like, really close teams or you're even better and that can happen. But as it plays out over five games, it's more likely to get a true representation of who the better team is. And, like you said, showcase people's ability to adapt to how the other team is playing in more real time. So I think it's the way to do it. World Series are exciting. NBA Finals are exciting. Like Super Bowl yeah, is it. like, okay, someone had a bad day or someone got injured. Whatever. Yeah, if you want to watch a sport, in my firm opinion, just start watching playoffs. Like that's that's the time to watch because that's when everyone's also just sweating real hard too. I mean, like regular seasons yeah. only if you follow the sport pretty closely. But if you're just a casual observer... It would be the time to start watching. So hopefully we can get two Western teams out and hopefully they don't get knocked out in quarterfinals. If we get one of the semis, we'll call that a dub. We'll call that a we'll call that a Western dub because uh yeah, the uh w Chinese for Western. Thank you. <laughs> the Chinese and Koreans are fucking insane. Like if you're gonna watch a regular season, you should just be watching China. Their their games are clown fiestas and they are hyper aggressive and it is nonstop action. Like NA is known for just like sitting chilling we're gonna wait till 50 minutes in the game let one team fight decide the whole the the whole game um china's nothing like that it, it is their play style is really fun to watch so so yeah depressing but overall it's been it's been a good uh good group stage outside of damn on kia literally murdering everyone those games were just like it just wasn't close. They, it's like 10 minutes in. They have like a 2 or 3k gold lead, but nothing's happened. And you're like, I don't even know where you got this gold. Like, are they just manufacturing it in the background? Like, is Riot Games just giving Korean teams gold? We don't know. But that's how good they are. <laughs> who is your pick? Not, not who you want to win, but who you would put money on to win Worlds this year. Damn one. I, didn't, I wouldn't have said that before groups, but... Um, I mean, to be fair, Damwon was in, I think, a pretty weak group. They were going against um, Fun Plus Phoenix, Cloud9, and Rogue. Fun Plus Phoenix was expected to get out of that group and ended up getting last seed, but their best of ones are not the best, for sure. So I think they also got a little choked out the second day. So the first day, the first four days, they just have each team plays one match from all the groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that for the first four days. And that'll give our first three days. So that'll give three of the games. And then the second set of days, then they have each group play like the rest of their matches. So another three matches. So each team plays two games or something like that. I forgot exactly how it goes. But so, yeah, this is the last day of like all the groups finishing out. But yeah, I think Fun Plus Phoenix just had a really bad second day and that's what put them out. So. I don't know. RNG looks really good. And then all the Korean teams. I mean, 
I don't know what Damwon's scoreline was in regular season, but I would assume most of the Korean teams and Chinese teams could contest Damwon, but they, they do look really good. I mean, they're just really clean, don't make stupid mistakes like NA does, like, like the West does, let's be honest. <laughs> so, but we'll see, we'll see. If I, it, who I want to win would probably be Mad Lions. I want Mad Lions to get out of groups. I, like I said, I don't have that much faith in C9. I'll root for them the whole way, but Mad Lions looked absolutely insane this year um, in the LEC, so we'll see. We'll we see will. what happens. We will. Well, I'll see and let you guys know. That's what's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> probably let me know, too, but hey. That's what we're here for. That's what you come to tech news for, to get exactly. the juiciest, freshest details along with evergreen content. I'm starting to think evergreen means that there's no, it doesn't matter when you listen to it. And then fresh, I guess, because there's another can't be tree fresh. for it, though. Yeah, it's oak. I don't nice oak. Cherry. <laughs> Mahogany. Um, but... Uh, uh, bottom line, this content is great when it's fresh and when it's old. It it ages like fine wine. You go back, you listen to our first podcast, boom, same quality of content as you're getting right now. That's that just false. Also, my cat is scratching at the door yet again. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in the world. It's been good group stages. If you... Uh... Yeah, if you want to watch games, I would just watch tiebreakers, honestly. The tiebreakers are when people really sweating out because that's when it's do or die for them. It's a lot closer to how they're going to be playing than uh, playoffs. I feel like in groups, sometimes it seems like people can get a little lax and want to try some things since they have six total games to play um, to decide what's going to happen with them. So, so yeah. Uh, LowlySports.com. Go to VODs if you don't want spoilers. As I have messed up many times, which is why I'm telling you, because it is the most aggravating thing when you go to what you think wouldn't have spoilers, and then you ruin literally every single game by accidentally looking at the wrong page. So, yeah, I, it, I mean, sometimes you can know the result and it can still be exciting, especially if there's something that crazy happens. And like, I know we've gone back and watched games where we know something crazy happened and like, we know who won and you're, you're just trying to figure out at what point that's going to happen and think, like, oh, how do they come back from this? Or, oh, this has got to be it. And I don't know. I find that kind of exciting too. So if you, if it does get spoiled, don't lose all hope. You can still enjoy it. Yeah. There's a classic worlds uh, that like everyone recommends if you're trying to watch some pro league, it's SKT versus rocks. And even knowing what the crazy play was that everyone freaks out was. I think it was, I think it was like a best of five series. And I, I thought it was last game. Maybe it wasn't, but there is a champion Ash who, when she ulties, she launches an arrow that goes literally across the entire map until it hits a champion and it will stun them based on how long it flies. And they are trying to end the game, killing the base and people are backing in the bot lane. No one knows where they're backing. So Ash just throws a, arrow to see if they can stop the people from recalling to be able to defend the base and manages to hit two of them i'm pretty sure to stop <laughs> the back and that is like a classic like when you watch the casters casting that they are like shitting their pants or you can just watch a uh, captain flowers rap god that's another classic base race where whew, captain flowers goes off captain flowers is a blessing to this world amen <laughs> but yeah 
that's world's news i'm not thinking about it too much i'm a little depressed after that game so if i'm not bringing the enthusiasm i apologize that's all right well i i'll take over with a little bit of tech news cleanse the palate from oh, thank god such horrible news um some of this is kind of old this is a mix of some stories that i haven't gotten to in previous podcasts i think are kind of interesting just to kind of touch on real quick uh so the developer of the world-renowned video game bug snacks um (laughs) it was a like a ps5 launch playstation plus exclusive game oh i remember Um, hearing about that yeah yeah actually kind of fun uh my wife and i played it a little bit and uh but the the developer young horses uh, which I believe when I looked it up, they had eight people on the development team. Um, they're officially starting a four-day work week. So uh, just thought that was kind of fun. I- I've seen a lot more stories going around of companies and developers and stuff trying to adopt better work-life balance principles um, and also understanding that a lot of employees are taking a lot more value from those kind of benefits rather than just like the traditional healthcare compensation bonuses over time, that kind of stuff. Uh, because at a certain point, there's a threshold where it just, I, I don't know, the, the amount of compensation you get isn't, isn't worth the amount of effort that you put in. And a lot of people, as we all know, are not fairly compensated for the work they're given anyway. So four day work week, pretty cool. Um, exciting to see that, especially in a, culture and corporate entity structure where there's a lot and granted this is an indie development studio but where it's known for crunch um four day work week is a positive and bug snacks also has a great song with it um so go go check it out look up look up bug snack song i'm sure you'll find it maybe i'll link it down below it's just it gets stuck in your head it's so happy it's a fun game it's wholesome yeah the four day work week i think is I think it's what's up for a lot of people. I mean, there's certain things that do kind of need more time doing it, but I think when you know you only have four days, a lot of people are a lot more focused and a lot more, you know, attentive to the work that they're doing when it's like, got five days working eight to ten hours each day. You're just like, ah, I'm going to take a little 30-minute break here because why the fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, and that's been, I think, shown a lot. It's like in a like 35 hour work week. I think it's like that's around productivity is higher, essentially, if they like, you know, essentially just get to work at their own pace and know what they need to get done. It just, I think, is a lot more concrete way to get through projects and a lot easier for people to like. It's hard to like justify sometimes just like throwing shit at a project without having deadlines to make it, um, you know, like concrete goals to shoot for. Yeah, I think it's just human nature, right? Like just throwing paint at a wall seems dumb, but if you have a deadline on it, right, and just have reasonable objectives, it makes it a little bit easier to motivate yourself to go through it. So, yeah, and that's that's not to discount the fact that there are some professions and industries that cannot operate on a four day work week. I mean, obviously, we have expectations that if our house starts burning down, that the fire department will come and try and stop that. Four day work week. Yeah, four day work week. Um. And that there's there's a lot of things. I guess major takeaway is just have reasonable expectations for people. People want the world's greatest video games, and they want them today, and they want them constantly without realizing the amount of work it takes and that there's people on the other side doing that. And I, I think there's kind of a whole shift in the economy, I guess, just going kind of off topic, too, is like people are realizing that they 
why why get overworked and yelled at in customer service jobs when there's there's no need to do that and there's other options available so just more compassion for people you know that's all yeah i also feel like there's a lot of employers that just view like the productivity or the quality of their employer just as like the time that they're working right when it's like at the end of the day the output is effectively all that matters right like that's the only thing that's going to be dictating you know your revenue stream um and like what you're getting done right is what you complete so it's like if that if that truly is the objective function that's what you should be trying to optimize you shouldn't be trying to optimize just like time working or something like that yeah um or i guess maximizing in that case (laughs) um uh yeah, because it's like that's that's all that matters, right? Is what you get done. Yeah, there's I mean, a... I, could, I could sit at my desk and write dumb programs all day for work that just do nothing. But like, you gotta you gotta prioritize what's important. Yeah, there's a there's a great book that I read as part of my operations management class called The Goal, uh, and it basically boils down to for any corporate or business entity, the goal is to make money. Um, and it's also why I stress a lot of times when we disagree with practices that businesses are making, it's because they are driven by money making, um, and that people are willing to pay those prices, um, and do those things or feel that they need those things, that there's enough demand to charge those prices. Um, and so it's something I talk about a lot, but it's also, um, very true at the end of the day too. It's actually counterintuitive but if you have your employees fully utilized it's actually less efficient um than if they're at like a 70 or 80 percent utilization uh, because i mean fully utilized essentially means you can have no change in workflow demands um otherwise you're just going to hit bottlenecks and things are going to get pushed in, in capacity what happens in reality is they try to keep you 100 percent utilized and then oh now we have an, a, something else and so they're like okay well now you're going to work overtime or you're going to stay in this weekend or you're going to do this we need you to come in and do this it, it doesn't make sense it's poorly optimized it's not good planning side note just wanted to throw that out there but yeah money well, money and, making is objective and, and output yeah and when you're like if you're at a hundred percent workload, I feel like especially in a lot of fields, like you want some extra time just for like effectively exploration, right? Like if you have some idea when you're developing a game, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna spend time in Last of Us Part Two to figure out how I want blood to flow on the floor or whatever that, you know, guy was working on. Like you need yeah. to have extra time to explore cool vectors that are gonna add to the game because you can't it's not like a what do you call it like waterfall development right you, you, that's just like a bad bad practice you can't just have a plan from a to b and expect that to work out like things are going to change you're going to get more information and you need to be able to pivot off of that so yeah what is it like agile development that's everyone's crazy about even though it's just normal working and how humans operate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um the Forza Horizon 5 uh, developers playground game. So for all of the Forza Horizon games up until Forza Horizon 5, it was on a two-year cycle um, where Forza Motorsport would come out and then the next year it'd be Horizon, Motorsport, Horizon, back and forth. But Forza Horizon 5 is the first one to deviate from that and it's a three-year development cycle. And as such, they've made a lot more changes and improvements than they normally do in between and they discuss some of them and a lot of it has to do with um suspension improvements braking improvements some physics improvements and all these other things that they said they've never had time to do in their two-year development cycle in between horizon games that they've now been able to accomplish 
as a result of the three-year development cycle. So there's more benefits to waiting than just avoiding crunch, like you said. Like you can experiment, you can go beyond the scope, you can identify things, actually have time to pivot on them, and yeah. Sounds of the car. Sounds of the car. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, since that was a big complaint, apparent, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I I get it. It's it didn't bother me as much as it bothered a lot of people. Um, I should say a lot of car enthusiasts. And I can understand. I don't own an exciting car, um, but I, I would understand, especially like if it's your car that you drive all the time and you see it in game and it doesn't sound like what you know because it's the car you drive, that would be kind of take you out of it a little bit. Um, so, but yeah, those are the I cool mean, things. Yeah, but I, I still think it's just such a... I get it, and I think it's something that's cool that they're implementing, but it's just it's such a fucking minor gripe. Like... What's fun about Forza is their fucking driving mechanics are on point. Essentially, that's, that's actually, that's just it. Their driving mechanics are just insanely on point. Like, it is the perfect balance between, like, you know, a little bit arcadey, but relatively realistic. So, like, you, I think, I think anyone that would be picking up a driving game would probably have the easiest time driving in a Forza game. Like, it handles really, really well in comparison to what your expectations are going into it. That's why that's why sim games suck, because when you're in a sim game, you're not looking at your speedometer and realizing you're going 100 miles an hour coming in this corner because you're not in the car. Right. Like you don't have external stimuli to tell you what's happening. Right. So yeah. then you're just like, wait, why can't I turn a quick U-turn when I'm traveling 160 miles an hour? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. But. So, yeah, yeah, yep, 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 okay, yep, moving on, um, so, actually, I need to look this one up, well, I need to look up another one, um, hold on, um, oh, why, just put it in the freaking, just tell me the, don't make me click on the article, you know, okay, that's oh, what yeah. I thought it was. Okay, we're back. We're back. So, PS5 is trialing something they're calling game trials. And they're doing it in the UK. I'm assuming it's still going on. I can't confirm because I don't live in the UK. Fun fact. Uh, but there were two games specifically they were trying it with, and that is Death Stranding and Sackboy, uh, which is uh, another PS5 exclusive essentially but what the game trial is is it allows you to download the game play it for a certain amount of time without having to put any money down so game pass one of the big selling points of it is it allows you to try games you wouldn't have normally tried without needing to spend the money um but i think what happens with game pass after a while is you realize that in reality it's like wow there's hundreds of games available but in reality there's three games i want to play and you might have been better off buying those three games outright maybe on sale something like that um rather than putting the money down on game pass and so th there's kind of a trade-off and it depends on the type of consumer you are if you're a consumer that likes the large variety of stuff obviously game pass has a different value proposition for different types of consumers um but it, it's a that that's where it kind of falls off and ps5 is kind of starting to introduce um something that that gives you some of that same benefit that game pass is giving without forcing you into a subscription but here's the problem here's the rub it they start the timer so you have six hours and they which is a lot of time but they start the timer once you hit download 
not once you start the game. So your the amount of time you have to play a game is entirely dependent on how fast your internet speed is. And yeah, so I would have zero time to play it. Exactly. Like that's just that's effed up. Like I that and there it doesn't tell it doesn't advertise it well. There's a lot of posts of people who think that it's reasonably that it would start once you open the game and so they'll download it to download overnight a pretty common thing for most people and then wake up and be like oh their trial's over (laughs) it's it's done so they wasted their data cap on downloading something that they can't play now um so just a, a really weird bizarre like i'm trying to think of why they they Sony would have made the decision and maybe their thought process is if they start the timer right then when you hit download there's no way for you to like game the system and like disconnect from the internet and try and keep it on there longer and hack the mainframe or something to that effect I suppose um but there has to be some way to put some software blockers and stuff in there too that require like an internet connection when you first boot up the game to then start the timer or something or just implement it locally just mark the file as a as a trial and then right like there's there's so many local ways like not that they're actually going to implement it this way but you could just have a text file right that says here is when you know this is the game it's on trial only six hours so when it boots up you know read this text file and then start counting down and then when it passes the six hours then stop like yeah and you don't even need an internet connection to verify that if they're worried about that but it is more development, you know, to but not 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 much. And especially considering much, yeah. it's a closed environment where it's not like Windows where people it would be much easier for them to get in and start like messing with registry files and stuff like that. It'd be much harder to do that on a PlayStation. So I don't know. It's a weird decision. I th- this is Sony trialing it. So maybe they'll get feedback and if they do a larger rollout maybe that will be addressed somehow hopefully well they're getting feedback <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're watching right now hey sony how's it going uh but uh yeah weird cool cool concept i like that they're bringing that that the benefits that they're seeing from the competition in a different way too and not just straight up copying with saying oh we'll do our own subscription service um although i know a lot of people would love to see that i think in reality for a lot of consumers, the subscription service doesn't bring as much value as it is. It it brings apparent or, I guess, perceived value, but the actual value you get, I think, is less than a lot of people think it is. For for them individually, overall, the concept I think is great of Game Pass. Want to want to continue to say that, but yeah, it's like I would, I would disagree. I've already gotten effectively a year's worth of game pass already with the two games i've played so i know but once once you kind of exhaust those games you're gonna throw game pass to the side oh yeah i'm gonna just cancel my subscription yeah it, it, well, actually i'm point. probably not because i got forza coming up too but i don't think i a still lot have of a bunch of games that. that i want to play okay well we'll see i guess this will be an ongoing saga is to check in with oliver because oliver is not one to spend a lot of money especially on video games so if he continues to subscribe he may be the best best case for game pass yet yeah what is i don't remember what i probably started i think that i'm on my second month of game pass right that sounds about right i think so yeah 
And if we're taking base prices, Ori and the Will of the Wisp is at 30 bucks still, and Dead Cells is at 25 so that's $55 worth of games. Yeah. So I could sit for four months and still be coming out even. <laughs> that's, that, that's a fair point. So it, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, so cool stuff with PS5. Switching over to Microsoft. So there was some tweet or something from a uh, Microsoft executive. So like for April Fool's Day or something, they they came out with the Xbox Series X mini fridge. Uh, and um, they said something like, oh, if this post gets so many likes or so many people download, do this. I don't know. There was some criteria. They would make it a reality. And the criteria had been met. And so Xbox is releasing a mini fridge um, and it will be available for pre-order tomorrow, uh, October 19th, 2021. Through Target and maybe one or two other retailers in the U.S. Um, I'm speaking of. So this is this is why you need to subscribe to Mo Video Games on YouTube so you get this live content. You know exactly when these pre-orders are going live because obviously everyone wants these. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't going to try. I firmly believe that scalpers will probably uh, scoop up most of them, but uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a whirl. I, I want one. I, I'm not getting an Xbox Series X, but the mini fridge is only $100 compared to a $500 Xbox Series X. And I can pretend. It actually looks pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. As much as I hate this shit, it's pretty sick. I could be keeping my beers on my desk, prepped and ready to go. That's what I'm saying. Or your rock star. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't drink those. <laughs> right, Mom? <laughs> um... <laughs> So, so that, that's kind of exciting. I, I like when companies do that, even if you can't get your hands on it. Like Microsoft definitely loves doing custom weird crap. Like, I mean, they've got hundreds of controllers. Like I got the Forza Horizon 5 controller. You, they have the design lab where you can build your own. They have the Halo controllers. They have the Xbox Elite controllers. Um, they, they definitely lean heavily into the customizability of that, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, which I guess, do you have anything else to say on that? No, I just keep watching the advertisement because it keeps <laughs> just saying world's most powerful mini fridge, which is cracking me up. <laughs> oh, that is pretty great. Um, <laughs> but so customization brings me a nice, beautiful segue into oh. D-Brand and their dark plates for PS5. Controversy. So if you guys <laughs> don't follow Maxwell Lewis Gaming on YouTube... I don't blame you. I my content has been pretty sparse lately because I've been pretty busy, but I do have a video that people on YouTube seem to enjoy a little bit on the D brand dark plates. So if you're curious about what they are, I encourage you head over to Maxwell Lewis Gaming, check out my video on them. But real short and sweet of it is the PS5 comes with white panels that are removable. And so it's a not a huge leap to think, oh, if we change the colors of those, we get a lot of customizability. And when I say removable, they are very easily removable. They're just held in by like a, a clip, essentially. You just pop them off, and which is a cool concept. And a couple initially, a couple companies came out trying to create their own custom colors, and Sony immediately cease and desist them. I was like, nope, we're not letting that happen. And so then everyone kind of sat back and was like, okay, 
well, if you're not going to let that happen, can you, Sony, at least give some like official licensed colored ones and stop making us use these white reverse Oreo PS5s? And so dbrand, an awesome company known for their uh, skins and stuff that you put on phones and other tech devices to kind of add your own customization, came and out. And snarky attitude. And snarky attitude. Fantastically snarky attitude. Came out with dark plates, which were matte black plates to replace the white ones for the ps5 they also came out uh with their their skin to kind of cover the piano black down the center but i uh purchased those right away because i i like the idea of it and d brand essentially challenged sony to sue them um they were so confident in their ability to prove that they were not infringing on any intellectual property that they outright dared sony to sue them oh what do you know sony has issued them a cease and desist and essentially said, if you stop selling these, we won't sue you. Um, and they dbrand, if you go on uh, the dbrand subreddit, uh, dbrand actually posted all about it in their typical snarky fashion. It's a fantastic read. I highly recommend it. But they also link the full cease and desist letter from Sony, um, which is kind of an interesting read. And dbrand kind of dives into some analysis of the main point Sony is making, why they think it's kind of ridiculous, and basically saying, don't worry, this isn't the end, but right now, we're not selling them. So as it stands right now, you cannot buy dark plates anymore. Um, They are not for sale. So if you haven't purchased them or any other custom ones, you're basically left with the option of painting the or somehow coloring the white ones you get from sony which is pretty lame i don't know what the hell sony thinks they're doing they continue to make confusing decisions i hope they're going to eventually start coming out with some other colors they came out with the black and red controllers uh after releasing a white one they later came out with the black headset so logic dictates that they will be coming out with black side panel replacements um but here's here's the really interesting argument dbrand made it comes back to what we talk about all the time and it's right to repair so if you have a ps5 from sony and you accidentally break or damage your side panels you are forced to essentially not fix them i don't think you can buy them separately from sony but it even if they did it would again be forcing you to buy exclusively first party um sony licensed side panels which mind you these side panels have no function that actually affect what you use the ps5 for they are essentially purely aesthetic um it doesn't affect airflow it doesn't honestly it runs better with the side panels off so (laughs) um there's there's no purpose other than that and so by sony doing this and claiming they're infringing on some right is just kind of an interesting gray area from right to repair saying okay you can't buy these parts from anyone else um i thought that was a pretty valid argument and also a very topical one it was smart of dbrand to make that argument because it's a discussion that's going on right now but i will i will stop my my verbal junk there and see if you have thoughts oliver or what your thoughts are on sony forcing dbrand to cease and desist i mean i think sony's just being fucking dumb but what is new from Sony and Xbox? Let's be honest. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to like look into some details of it. It looks like, if I'm understanding this image correctly, Sony has trademarked the icons for their buttons. 
which I think is also part of the reason maybe that they're salty about the D brands because they have uh, the little like engravings are based off of the icons on it. Yeah, based off of not the same. It's a fucking triangle, circle, X and a square. You can't trademark that. What the fuck? Every time I draw a circle, is Sony going (laughs) to... So they, D brand also made a funny connection. So most people on the planet have seen Squid Game at this point. Um, oh yeah, that's the image I see right here too. <laughs> yeah, and so the the Squid Game circle, square, and triangle is like identical font and sizing and shape as PlayStation's logos. And so D brand is like, okay, if our like android and chemical radioactive symbol and all these things that resemble the same shape but are not the same somehow infringe on sony's rights then squid game is much more in it has much more infringement um on that and uh it's just it's just kind of a funny uh side note i I don't think that would actually play out legally but it is kind of sure but 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 what would play out legally is if Sony actually tries to make the argument that they have somehow trademark basic shapes. Um, yeah. Which, like, I, I, I can see to a certain extent. I mean, D-Brand blatantly, even by baiting Sony to sue them, is essentially, like, I guess kind of in... I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but they're they're more or less admitting that they that they're heavily influenced by the design of PlayStation. So I think PlayStation and Sony have a pretty strong argument for some infringement, but what the actual laws say and dictate are interesting. They Dbrand is a Canadian company and they talk a lot about um Canadian patent law and and how that works in there as well. And so there's some interesting deeper discussions to have as is the case with most things, it's not all you see at face value. Sony is not inherently wrong, um, nor is D-Brand. It's murky because anything that starts getting illegal gets really fucking weird. Um, but it's unfortunate. That's that's my take. Yeah, I just think that anything like what D-Brand's doing where, I mean, they're you said it yourself, like Sony's not making profit off of console sales or anything like that, right? But like any additional hype that you can get off of you know the console like i think people like d brand plates do look cool like i would be excited to get them like you know any additional hype or interest or even just discussion about d brand plates you know is going to generate more interest than the playstation as well i just think that i mean even this whole fucking fiasco seems like good press for sony honestly at this point you know (laughs) as long as they just don't totally douche out on it but yeah, I just think that D brand to me seems like a good thing for Sony. Yeah. And if they're really upset about what like the plates, then I don't know. Like, why not work out a deal with them or something? Just say you you want some of the profit or something like that. But even then, it's like you can't Yeah. I think it's dumb. I think D brands what what D brand's doing should be totally fine in the free market in my opinion. But Yep. Free market doesn't exist when corporations have a shit ton of money and they can just uh make whatever they want happen happen so <laughs> yeah it, it it would be a different conversation if the plates had some effect on the um actual like performance, performance of the machine yeah um th- th- that would be one thing so sony is trying to make the argument that because sony doesn't have control of the quality of dbrand that dbrand could produce subpar quality and now people purchasing these plates are going to assume that that means sony 
is bad quality, which is the most bullshit argument I've ever heard. It probably holds legal water, but if you if it hold it does not hold up to even the tiniest amount of scrutiny. Um, but D, D brand also makes the important point that you have to buy a PS5 for it to make sense to buy a dark plate. So by dark plates existing, they are incentivizing PS5 exactly. sales. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I just think it's yeah, it's like yeah. D brand should be Sony should view D brand as a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think you brought up an important point too, that it Sony if they're not in talks with D brand to license, um, that's just dumb. And and so if Sony's not in talks with anyone to license, that's really dumb. Um and D brand also brings up the important point that like shipping the the side plates is incredibly incredibly expensive because of the size of the side plates and so it doesn't make a lot of business sense for sony to want to even get into that business um when it's essentially the same shipping cost for the plates as it would be to ship the actual console itself i mean weight plays a little bit of a factor too but you you're not going to see nearly as many margins on that unless i guess the price is is jacked up or whatever but yeah yeah it's it's goofy I hope D-Brain sticks around. I like stuff like that, you know? Like, sure, okay, keep your, like, hardware and stuff and your software locked down. I'm I'm fine with that, right? But if it's just, like, aesthetic stuff, I mean, let's be honest. The PS5s, I think it's ugly. Like, I don't, I don't like the way it looks. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking cow. <laughs> it is. I, the PS5 Slim, I'm sure, will look really good if they make it. Please, God, make it. But, yeah. You just I need mean, to buy one first, Oliver. I know that's just I'm 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 playing the game now. It's the mind game. When when do I buy? When does the PS5 Slim get released? <laughs> when does my patience for games finally dwindle? Yeah, but yeah, instead Ragnarok's gonna play a good a good good part into that. Hell wow. yeah, brother! I do be wanting to play. Um, but but yeah, it. it caring about aesthetic upgrades is um. I think Sony's overstepping a bound. Uh. So dbrand makes cases for phones, makes skins for phones, does the same thing. They even had skins and that kind of stuff for the PS4. And none of these companies, Google, Microsoft, Apple, has cared at all because guess what? They're smart and they're like, oh, yeah, it doesn't affect the sale of our devices at all. And if anything, it might push someone over the edge. It could be like, wow, the colors they offer that phone are really dumb. But I can get this cool D brand sticker and protect it from scratches and increase my resale value. So yeah, I will buy one. Like yeah, fuck it's off, goony. Sony. You make no sense. Yeah, Sony. Sony does a surprisingly large quantity of really stupid stuff. But the good news is, is their IP is great, so they got that going for them. It, it's also <laughs> terrible because what I what I went back to in saying that corporations are going to do things that make them money. And as long as people are willing to spend that money, they will continue to make those decisions. And the fact that their IP is so great and they have such strong brand loyalty, even through all of this bullshit, just means that there's not a lot of incentive for them to fix it or address it. Um, I would love to have a story of Sony making a smart decision. Game trials, cool option, fucked up to execution, pre-orders, and getting upgrades from PS4 to PS5. Botch yeah, the bad. execution. Um, fucking, I mean, just left and right, it's just bad decision after bad decision. So, 
man, Tony. I got I got your logo. You probably can't see it on stream, but I got your logo posted. Posted. Well, you, you can see it, Oliver, but uh, the, the people... No, we all can see it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Actually, I see it. Yeah, no, they can't. Confirmed. Well, Invisible. Can so you can see. Look at my eyes. See the reflection. <laughs> um, yeah. So... That's a fun one. That was fun to talk about. Um, and then just to keep the, the controversy train rolling, Windows 11. Don't get it. That's all you need to know. I, I want it. Um, so especially if you have an AMD CPU, you do not want to get Windows 11 at the moment. And that, that's, that's you, Oliver, also. I know. <laughs> have I you heard my... anything about the controversy? No, I mean, I was already pissed about what, uh, on initial launch, they only supported 8th gen Intel CPUs and up, right? Something like that. Um, it, yeah, because of the TPM at, like, requirement. At, like, day one. Yeah. Yeah. And so my laptop, which was what I was planning on upgrading first, which I might just switch over to Linux on that. I'm not sure yet, but laptop is what I was planning on upgrading first. Uh, but guess what gen my laptop CPU is? It's seven. so yeah i haven't heard anything about amd but given the fact that they only started roll out with eighth gen intel cpus and up i had this expectation in my head that this rollout was gonna be really bad yeah and it has been i i'm not super deep in the sauce so this is more a discussion topic than it is like just relaying facts so for those of you listening and watching, as usual, disclaimer, go do your own research. We're just here to have a discussion. You know, we're just talking, talking, you know? we're talking, we're, we're talking, talking, bro. We're talking. Um, but so especially on the Ryzen 2000 series. So we have 3000 series CPUs, so we would fall less into this category. But all AMD CPUs are affected by this. There was a 15 percent reduction and CPU performance, um, specifically single-threaded performance, just by installing Windows 11, which is atrocious. And it, especially for you, Oliver, it greatly affects esports titles because esports titles are high frame rate, which means high CPU rely reliance, which means CPU reductions have an, basically a linear impact on frame rate and not great um and so there's been some discussion going around this is all opinion nobody knows but it's it's pretty well known that microsoft worked directly with intel in developing windows 11 supposedly for the new alder lake cpus that intel will be releasing that are going to be intel's first hybrid cpus which have e-cores for efficiency and P cores for performance, uh, kind of like what Mac has been doing for all of their mobile processors and also their new um, M1 chips that they're they're producing themselves. You have cores dedicated to things you don't need to be done super quickly and can use low power and all that kind of stuff, and then have perform performance cores dedicated that that and can probably do a little bit more of silicon lottery and say, okay, we're going to have our less good CPU cores over here for the efficiency ones and our top tier ones are going to be dedicated to to performance so it's a cool option but it requires windows to have a built-in scheduler integration that help that knows what to send what tasks to what core of the cpu and as a result they 
were integrated very deep in the development of Windows 11. But it seems that AMD wasn't even in the conversation because it has royally screwed things up. And the Windows 11 rollout also botched a lot of networking cards um, and caused a lot of issues with those. And so Microsoft rolled out some updates to fix that, which saw the performance hit increase on AMD CPUs from 15 to 17% on average. Um, so Microsoft and AMD are currently working together on addressing these issues. They believe it is something that can be fixed over software. Well, I mean, Windows 11 is software, so the issues they created Definitely can, can be, be solved. Um, <laughs> but uh, how long that will take and will it get back up to like the performance you want? You, you would want a new Windows to be the same or better. You don't want worse performance. Um, facts. Facts. So just wanted to throw that out there um, and say, if you were thinking about upgrading and you own an AMD, especially a 2000 series Ryzen CPU, I would hold off on upgrading unless there is some feature in Windows 11 that is very vital to your workflow or something to that. I, I can't speak for you. You've probably already done your research if that's you. <laughs> but for most people, uh, same thing with Windows 10 rollout. Like a lot of people waited for that. Like there's no there's no real benefit to being an early adopter of Windows, especially when they're continuing to support the old version with security updates. Once they stop doing that, then yeah, it makes a lot of sense to upgrade. But yeah. disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah, when you have that that fine of requirement on that that rollout, it's not going to be pretty. So yeah. What data are they taking from us now? Um, that, that was a big controversy around Windows 10 was the fact that they, it was a free upgrade for all people on Windows 7, which was not normally the case. Normally, you'd have to pay to get the next Windows, but it was because they were selling all of your data um, and had the heavy Cortana integration to be listening to you at all times and collect all of your personal information, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. The typical tech business model of today where things are free to use um, if you don't consider selling all of your personal information to be a cost, which it should be. Um, so, My information's worthless. Gotti. Destroyed. <laughs> But uh, yeah. that's disappointing. That's, that's that's all I had on on the tech news front. Um, I don't know if you had anything, or if you want to dive into a little bit of your your DS three experience, um, Spelunky. What you've been playing recently? I guess for those of you listening, I have not played any Hollow Knight because I had a busy week. It was my birthday. Center. I drive. I drove one of my dream cars, uh, the shelby gt350 the the newer model with the the 5.2 liter flat plane crank voodoo engine for those of you who are into cars it was incredibly exciting and confirmed that i would never buy one because of fuel economy and if you are in a busy city uh stopping and going with a manual transmission it, you probably know this not super great and uh it has way too much power for the street you can have fun for about two seconds before you're getting arrested so um that's that's a fact Which for a lot Maxwell of did multiple times yes not not getting arrested but almost um several times but uh yeah amazing car super cool glad to have the rental experience and get to experience it for a little bit but that car belongs on a track but anyway that was my long way of saying i've been busy this past week so no new games for me but i know oliver has been busy 
gaming carrying this channel for us. Thank God one of us plays video games still. <laughs> um, well, I'll just go through stuff quick. I have been playing, well, as Maxwell said, DS3 and Spelunky. I've also been playing Rocket League. I did not realize, and I have not realized for a long time, but since Rocket League got taken over by Epic, it is now free to play um, on the Epic's game Epic Games Launcher? Epic's Game Launcher. We're going we're gonna to stick with the misspeak. Um, but yeah, so if you're looking for some car soccer, I have really enjoyed Rocket League, and I did not think I would like Rocket League as uh, much as I have, but it is definitely a pretty intuitive game to pick up. I mean, it takes a while to, you know, get good, if you will. <laughs> but it is fun to play with friends. So if you're looking for online title, just to hang out with the homies and kick the ball around and I car or a nissan gtr as one of my friends has as his car in the game um oh yeah nissan <laughs> nice um yeah i was i was super shocked because i had been waiting for a long time it was 20 bucks on steam for the longest time and i was just waiting until it was like i figured it was just gonna go on sale for like five bucks at some point but it's so popular that it like never went below like 12 or 15 bucks um but yeah so that's been a good time Splunky. I played this game a long time ago, just started playing it again. It's a roguelike where you're essentially just going through randomly generated levels. You start at the top and then you go down and then there's like a gate that you walk through. And as you're going through, you'll run into enemies. Um, There's like a damsel that you get to pick up. And if you pick up the damsel when you finish the level, you get one HP back. You start with four hit points. Spikes are an insta kill because... Every game loves to torture their players now. Um, and then there's a shopkeeper. You can buy items. You know, you're picking up gold, the normal stuff. I have been fucked so many times. I, you w- walked into the shopkeeper. They have the damsel, which you can choose what you want your damsel to be. So I chose my damsel to be a pug, because why not? <laughs> um, so I bought the pug so I could get a hit point back. And then I picked up the pug. And if you fuck up in the shopkeeper shop at all, he starts obliterating you. I mean, he pulls out a shotgun and will hunt you down and just sprint you down until you die. And I swore I bought the fucking pug. I grabbed the pug and he's like screaming at me with the shotgun, chasing me down, shooting me to death. Um, But yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty fun roguelike. I also think that Steam finally finished integrating multiplayer access on it because you can play with up to four people. Nice. So another one I would recommend the soundtrack on it is delicious. I mean, it is, it's a club banger 3000. It's got, it's got that bumpity bump, humpity dump. So <laughs> yeah, I've been having a good time with that. And then I've just been playing that as like a filler game. Cause sometimes I don't want to sit down for a multi-hour gaming session of the torture known as dark souls three. I think I'm about three or four bosses in. I'm about to fight my next boss but holy shit dark souls sucks ass (laughs) it's a horrible game um as of right now i think dark souls 3 is looking like it's probably going to be my least favorite soulsborne out of the series and why let me let me let me tell you why (laughs) um well first off i do think as an important caveat, when I played DS2 and Bloodborne, I think I played both of them during my undergrad in a time where I had a little bit more time to just chill and play games. 
now I force time to chill and play games because I do literally nothing other than game and work. Um, but <laughs> uh, it just the combat does not feel as good. It's like Souls One and Demon Souls. I'm pretty sure if I recall from I haven't played a lot of Demon Souls. I've just watched it. I've played a fair amount of Dark Souls One, probably like 15 hours at least into that, um, if not more. Beaten Dark Souls Two, beaten Bloodborne. I'm probably about 10 hours into DS3. The combat is way less, it's faster than Dark Souls 1. Like, Dark Souls 1 and Demon's Souls are known to be really slow combat, really, like, you're, like, rolling, waiting for windows to start engaging, um, just really traditional Dark Souls combat, where I think Dark Souls 3 might have come out after Bloodborne, but I know that their development cycles were at least really close to each other, so there's a lot of influence between the two of them. Bloodborne was really fast, but they gave you a gun to parry with, and so you also had some ranged attacks built into your kit if you weren't going as a sorcerer. I felt like the speed of the game was higher than Dark Souls 3, but I kind of liked that it was a full commit to the higher tempo of the game, where Dark sure. Souls 3 is like, it's faster than DS1, DS2, and Demon Souls. So, like, it's still got the Dark Souls feel, but, like, the way to get through the game, and this is pretty much what I've been reading, is you, like, people, like, max out dex or stamina, and then there's an attribute called poise on enemies. So if you essentially start doing enough damage at a high enough rate, you can stagger the enemy or like stop them from attacking. And so like that's the way to go through the game is essentially you just run up to them. And if you can get first hit, you just keep smashing R1 until they're knocked off guard. And then you just kill them like and that to me is just not I haven't enjoyed it as an experience. Like it's like I just am like trying to optimize my stats so much so that I can just keep stat-checking people um, and just running up to kill them to go through the regular environment. And it just feel, it feels way like way more mobs in comparison to older games. I felt like, uh, yeah, it's just like way too many enemies. The combat just feels like bullshit in comparison. I, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm just spamming. Wow. I got a long sword plus four, and I am just running up to people, swipe, 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 and then running up to the next person and repeating, so... So far, it has been not, yeah, it's definitely my least favorite. I'm still enjoying it, but yeah, I kind of, I part wish that I would have kept going through my Dark Souls 1 playthrough, but I just want to get DS3 off the map at this point, shove it to the side and be done with it just so I can say I've beaten it and move on. But yeah, no, it it's good. I still enjoy it. The soundtrack is amazing, in my opinion. I always really like the Dark Souls soundtrack, and the environments are always really cool, interesting to explore. And there are some good elements of combat, but yeah, it just it feels like over the top in a lot of ways in comparison to other Dark Souls games. Like I know Dark Souls games are supposed to make you suffer, but it it just feels a lot more bullshitty. Not un not unrealistically, I want to put it in that frame. Like it's still in the Soulsborne realm. I still say it's a good game in the Soulsborne series, but it's probably been my least enjoyed one so far, just for that reason. Like, I don't want a game where it's just stat checking. You know, I want a game where I'm actually like forced to think, forced to respond, and try to you know like think critically in the moment and not just what's the range of my weapon, how close do I have to get before I can stun lock them, and then just you know smash a button. So. Yeah, it's like a there's a, that's kind of a certain way that some people probably like to play is it, like Pokemon is all about stats, right? And you're trying to optimize your stats to essentially stat check the other Pokemon is like the entire premise of the game, mechanically speaking. There's no other like timing related mechanics and stuff. But like Dark Souls, and I think what you appreciate about 
it sounds like the timing and the actual mechanics of dodge roll parry all that kind of stuff and the stat element just kind of removes that or removes the requirement yeah. which i guess reduces satisfaction too which i think it would for me as well yeah it's why i never go like the shield build and i always go like a you know a dex builds or like a high endurance build so that because i i like high risk fights where i'm you know sweating bullets and i'm like man if i fuck up this next roll i'm gonna die like i don't want to just walk up and stat check people like you know this shield shield build people will be like taking there'll be a dude with a mace that's four times the size of your body and you'll hold up your shield and then take zero damage from it like that's not the gameplay i want you know i, I that's not what i'm trying to do so yeah i feel like yeah ds3 just the way that it, it's designed so far feels a little bit worse the parry i don't know if i've just gotten better at parrying but the parry window is much easier for me to use and i'm actually able to parry reliably so that is definitely a plus because normally every time i spend like an hour trying to figure out parry windows in a dark souls game it's just me dying for an hour and then i give up because i'm frustrated and i go back to just rolling so um i will give it that the parry window feels it feels very appropriate for a dark souls game i mean it is definitely tight it's super easy to fuck up but i've been able to execute a lot more reliably but yeah so far it's been yeah i mean it's nice to have better graphics and stuff like that you know but there's just so many enemies way too many enemies like i don't i'm not used to just like just straight like horde areas last area i went through i mean it's like everyone's traveling like groups of three or four so you're either have to do the cheeky little you run up till you get one of them aggroed and then pull them away which just feels like so bs to me um you know but it's yeah i also just got murdered by a giant crab not too long ago total side note but i thought that was pretty funny so <laughs> that happens to the best so. of us it does happen to the best of us. But yeah, so still feels good. Still a normal Dark Souls game. When you finally kill someone you've been just slogging away at, you're like, hell yeah, I'm a badass. Especially giant trees. Oh, God, that, that tree was miserable. That fight was stupid. That's another I hate. I just mob bosses just are bad. In the Dark Souls series, people don't want mob bosses. I'm telling you that. Like, beast bosses, I can deal with beast bosses. Beast bosses have one strat. You roll through their legs if they're tall enough, and then you smack the booty. And you keep doing that until they die. <laughs> so smack the booty strat. But the mob bosses are just... Uh, it's like not the point of Dark Souls as a duel. That's why people like PvP so much in Dark Souls, right? Is It's like it is the who is the better player in a, in a, in a mono-a-mono sense, not just getting murked by multiple people. To be fair, in a lot of Dark Souls games, there's always been a lot of really gimmicky strats. And I definitely change how I play. I've changed how I played the games pretty much every single time. Um, Dark Souls 2, I think I did the route where if I got stuck on a boss, then I would start looking up some strategies and recommendations. Bloodborne, I said I wasn't going to look up anything and just go through completely with no information outside. And then this one, I mean, I've just been like researching like a monkey. You know, I'm just like, you know, what are good item builds how do i optimize my item upgrades and stuff like that like where are items on the map and how am i gonna max out all my stats because it just feels the most rewarding and it's just it's frustrating to die 50 times just because you get like stun locked by one mob and then their three homies come up to you and i'll stab you in the back <laughs> but maybe i'm just bad let me know in the comments <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'd be interested to know what percentage of people who listen to mobile games 
have played and completed any Dark Souls game. Or Soulsborne, I should say. Zero. Everyone that I know that listens, as in our friends, it's zero of that population. <laughs> I think that's, a, that's true for me as well. But Yeah. Who knows? A lot of people say... I've, I've, well, a lot of the Dark Souls gets pretty... It's a pretty, I think, even distribution on what people think is the hardest. Maybe outside of two. Um, man, three's bosses look insane, though. I, I am excited for future boss fights. Outside of... I think I have the last mob boss coming up soon. Um, but yeah, some of the other ones are just like... I'm gonna die a million times. <laughs> I I will at some point play Demon Souls, um, because I'm, I'm Demon Souls looks really fun, and the tempo of that I think fits a lot better into the Souls archetype. I know that some people don't like the early Souls game for how slow tempoed they are, but I think it just makes the fight more tense. Like I feel like the hits feel harder, but when you do dodge, it's more rewarding, and then the long drawn fight just keeps the adrenaline maxed out the whole entire time that you're 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 running the gamut. So, I'm, yeah, I, I I like that playstyle a lot. I'm hoping that they will release either a patch for Bloodborne or like remaster or something that gives it 60 frames per second um, on like the PS5, because it, that's probably the fur- furthest I've played into any Soulsborne game, which is still not very far. But I enjoyed the the little bit like it didn't feel overly punishing um and i think i think maybe some of that is the pacing so it'll be interesting to see what i think of demon souls being kind of the opposite spectrum of speed in the soulsborne genre um yeah but it it looks incredible so you know me i'm i'm a bro for those visuals yeah bloodborne's environment did a lot for it and it was a really nice change of pace out of the soulsborne series to go for more of that like almost steampunk or whatever you want to call it type yeah, design Victorian um, or... yeah like it that that, that was a really cool element and definitely that was the other thing like bloodborne's play style because it was so fast i felt like really benefited my play style as well even though like dark souls 3 just feels the the most goony just a bad balance yeah, mob bosses just feel like a cheap way to inflate difficulty, in my opinion, is the big thing. Mob, mob anything. Like, just give me an enemy that's hard to fight, that has a difficult moveset, but, you know, even if, yeah, you just gotta give some windows for people to either recover their stamina at least a little bit, or, you know, give an infrequent window for an SS flask, right? If you're gonna try to balance it so that it's reasonably fair. Um, but yeah, I feel like DS3 has just felt so stat-dependent. I've been watching other people play and their health bars like three times my size and it seems like they're still doing the same amount of damage as me too even though I've been pumping all my shit into damage. I was fighting this one guy, he just one-shot me literally every single time. Like, there's no outplay if you fuck up in that case. I just have to restart the fight. Like, what is that? Perfection. So, so yeah, that's a part of the reason why I've been looking up more guides. Because I swear, I watch other people play Dark Souls, and I'm like, if I was doing that much damage, I too would be just crushing bosses. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what you did to get to that point, but like, holy shit, you know, they'll have like three times my health bar and doing three times the amount of damage, so. But I think, I think that whole series, in my opinion, I don't mind going through it blind, but I think it's more fun to do the research and try to figure out the game mechanics and try to optimize the game mechanics as you're kind of reading about them, like... It's it's a whole part of the experience. So 
Yeah, and the the game because it doesn't have difficulty settings, it, you're going to have to have good mechanics to be successful regardless. So to your point, looking those things up, I don't think takes away from the experience because it still requires you to be to execute the the strategy. Yeah. So. so we'll see. I got all the good all the good spicy bosses are coming up for me. Like I said, I think this is one of the last lower rated bosses. So Hell some of yeah. them, man. Oh my god. I forgot. I think it's the uh nameless knight or something like that. Comes in on a fucking dragon. And you have to kill the dragon so that then you can fight him. I'm gonna get devastated by that guy. I can tell you already. <laughs> Literally gonna there's just gonna be tears. I won't even be able to see the monitor. <laughs> and I'll just be fully encompassed by my suffering. Four hour gaming session dedicated to one boss. Uh yeah, that might happen. The guy's video that I was watching when he was ranking the uh Dark Souls bosses, the democracy who I mentioned last time. Yeah. A lot of the bosses, he was like, oh, yeah, I killed them first or second try, you know, and then his upper end was like 12 times. It's like, I'm probably six tries on average for most of my bosses. I mean, sometimes I get through on the first or second try if they're a bougie boss, which definitely happens in Dark Souls. But I just like throwing my body at the wall there, you know? I mean, hey, try something. <laughs> exactly. That's why when I watched you fight the spider in uh, Ori, I was just like, my God, man, you are getting up in that spider's face. I yeah, that's how like, I like to fight. Yeah, you throw caution to the wind, which I respect. <laughs> Though I will say that spider boss would have been a lot easier if I just used that upgraded arrow. That shit smacks. Yeah. Real and hard. If it had had better hitboxes as well. Yeah. Yeah, big, uh, yeah, large bosses are just difficult in that regard for hitboxes. Like yeah. the fucking tree. My goodness. Ooh, Max will watch dowdy. me by fight. I think his name was like the elder, the rod and elderwood, or something like that. And yeah. he is just a monolithic, gargantuan boss. And he's got these tiny little sacks all over his body that you have to hit, but only like two of them are at ground level. And one of them's on his nutsack, appropriately. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that boss was that boss just felt BS, right? Like, that's just another implementation of like a. You just gamify it, right? It removes like the skill out of it. You can kind of just buy time until you get a clear opening. So, yeah. Dark Souls, I don't know what you're doing, but Elden Ring or whatever it's called is supposed to be coming out pretty soon. A lot of people are super hyped for it. I'm definitely going to be playing it at some point. You can um, jump. Then Game I'll be able to hit that stupid ass elbow sack that I couldn't hit because <laughs> yeah. it was just slightly out of my fucking range. Yeah, I, so, I saw some early gameplay and like everyone was like, oh my god, you can jump. It's incredible. Yeah, I, I definitely am excited for next iteration and to see what they do. Though I do think once I beat uh, Souls 1 and 3, I think I'm going to try uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice after watching all the gameplay of it. It looks pretty badass, so... We, we almost spoke about the Game Awards 2019 today, um, but for a little teaser for when we eventually get to that time the game of the year winner for 2019 was Sekiro so yeah that game that game looks pretty good if the graphics were like Ghost of Tsushima level graphics with that game that would have been an absolutely nutter butter game I mean I know that it's also like a consequence of the time but the graphics definitely do look a a little bit 
crunchier in comparison to even like Dark Souls, in my opinion. They don't look bad, but I think Dark Souls is a little bit more simple with their rendering. It doesn't try to have nice flowing grass and shit like that, that you have to have a lot of processing power to try to render at once. So grass gets you every time. I mean, if you're actually going to be animating the tall grass like they do in uh, Ghost of Tsushima, like that, you're going to have to write some pretty clean code. <laughs> or have a really OP processor, I guess, one or the other. But yeah, Or just fuck up every other aspect of the game mechanics. Shh. But hey, hey, we've already been there. We've, we've shit on Ghost of Tsushima enough. Play Hollow Knight. That's the real game. I know. I'm excited to get back into it. So I'll hopefully be doing that this week. You're... Real close to probably one of my favorite bosses in the game, so. Though you did touch on the Manus Lords, and the Manus Lords are, I think, a really well-designed boss that are super fun to go against, so. When I when I got down there, I saw them sitting on their thrones, and it said challenge was the prompt, and I was like, I know this is Hell a bad idea. No. <laughs> but, fuck it. Let's give it a whirl. Let's see what happens. And, yeah, I die. Thankfully, it doesn't force you to go all the way back down to fight your soul um you just your soul ends up like halfway down the chamber and your soul is pretty easy and to cheese but i think you have to challenge him every time i think you can always walk past them without initiating the boss fight i don't think it'll auto trigger once you challenge them the first time oh that makes sense so i don't yeah. i don't think i think i don't think it would have been sol hollow knight does a pretty good job of making sure you're not totally screwed out um, yeah, that would have been cheap. So yeah, I guess that that's good to know. But I do have to say, I've I've cheesed my soul a couple times um, after dying. Dying is less scary to me now because I do a much better job of finding benches and being more cautious and spending geo when I have it. Um, but uh, I, th your soul kind of follows you, and so if you are near spikes and you quick jump down a ledge and kind of go. To, so the trajectory of the soul is the spikes. Oh, you can make it run into it, the spikes. It will That's drive itself into the spikes and die. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the soul manipulation work, is. Uh, they even use that in the the any percent speedrun to get. There's a. Have you talked to the? There's like a charm seller that gives you extra charm notches. Right uh, by mother mother grub. I might have. Uh, maybe not. I, I don't think I've been able to purchase more charm slots yet. Well, yeah, either way, you commit Sudoku in this one area, and if, if it's your first time in the area, you wouldn't know that there's a hidden wall at the top. But mm -hmm. so you commit you commit Doku, and then pull your ghost over, wall jump off, and then pogo off of him to get um up through the hidden wall. That's so, cool. I like that. Yeah. No, that, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun little mechanic. But yeah, definitely excited to see that Mantis Lords and the Watcher Knights. I'm excited. The Watcher Knights made me rage my first playthrough. I will will not lie. So I'm excited <laughs> to see see how the Watcher Knights go for you. Definitely get your nail upgraded. Nail base damage is five. Every single upgrade on top of it is an extra four damage. So your first upgrade is literally almost a 100% damage upgrade. And then your base damage for Vengeful Spirit, I think, is 18. So okay. definitely don't, don't be shy about using Vengeful Spirit. Something I wish I would have done a lot more. Um, I wish I used... I, I, I just played it like I play every single fucking game. I don't need mana. Yeah. I got a sword. 
I know. I, I've been the same, but I've been definitely much more generous about using it, and it's it's pretty incredible. And I did get my first nail upgrade, and that was beautiful. To just just having that like one less extra hit on some enemies. Yeah, it's, just, it's so nice. Oh my gosh. Beautiful. Yeah, after uh, after speedrunning Hall and I for a while, I am definitely way more prone to using spells in games now. Just because it's like you never upgrade your nail in the in the base speed run, right? So it's like there's almost no point in using your nail. I mean, there is some. Any damage is damage, but like for the yeah. most part, you need to be maximizing your vengeful spirit output in a in a speed run. So it's definitely changed my playstyle, which I like. I think I'm using more of the game's mechanics when I play now. Agree, which is why I love Doom Eternal. But just bringing it back <laughs> to another role video case. Like, yeah, it, it forces you to use your kit, which I like. I like that incentivization. So, Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun one to discuss. Got some controversy. Got some games. We got some topical breaking news regarding League of Legends Ooh. Worlds. Make sure you go check it out per Oliver's beautiful description. Getting into anything playoffs is the time to do it and that is now so go check it out um i'll try and leave a link to the bug snack song in the description so um head over to youtube if you're listening to podcast services and want to see that or just look it up for yourself uh follow us on instagram youtube podcast services all that fun stuff we try to do stuff once a week post podcasts on wednesdays the usual fun facts so keep classy (laughs) we'll catch you in the next one Josie, Josie.